It's Cam. Welcome to my podcast. I'm grateful that you're here. My intention here is to be helpful. I think that's clear. Explore the tools and the frameworks useful for the art of living. Living well. Feeling good. So if you enjoyed today's episode, let me know. Subscribe. Leave a comment. Give me some feedback because this really is a community effort. It's drawing from the wisdom of the information age. My God, it's a time to be alive. Anyway, moving on. Today I have a story to share. Uh, An ancient Chinese proverb. One of my favorites, probably the most well-known of the proverbs, but for good reason. Something that I come back to time and time. Anyway, without further ado, let's start the show with the uh, TikTok track of the week by It's Madison I am honored to be a part of this timeline. We have really lucked out. So my story today begins on a farm somewhere in rural China. Farmer and his son had a beloved horse, and this horse uh, helped them make a living. One day this horse escapes, and the whole village, they say, Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, your horse has escaped, this is awful. The farmer says... Maybe so, maybe not. And a few days later, his horse returns and it brings with it several other horses. And the village, they say, this is incredible, what amazing luck you have. And he says, maybe, maybe not. The next day, his son's trying to break in one of the new horses, one of the wild horses. And he falls off and he breaks his arm and the village exclaims, oh, what a tragedy this is. The farmer says, maybe. A couple weeks down the road, and the army's coming by. There's a war, and they're conscripting soldiers. And they have to pass over his son because he's got a broken arm, and the village says, oh, thank goodness for that. And he says, maybe. So, the, the message behind this is simple but powerful. If we continue to assign emotional value to every single thing that comes along, every single experience, we risk tapping out a form of reserves that we have, the the basket of fucks, really. You only have so many. And if every single thing that occurs in your life is interpreted as some personal, meaningful, significant impact, we tie it into our Mind, we thread it into our gray matter. But it's neutral. It's the path of least resistance. Not to say 
that you're trying to trick yourself into thinking bad situations are good. They are clearly extremely unfortunate circumstances. But this idea that everything has to have meaning. And because of the meaning that we assign to it, we end up in a self-fulfilling prophecy. We end up creating that meaning. And thus perpetuates the, the cycle. So there's always, there's always going to be suffering. But we add an extra layer on top by suffering over the suffering. We get sad about being sad. We get mad about being mad. Instead of just feeling it, surrendering to it, accepting it without attaching. And I know that this is easier said than done. Everything is, but this is what philosophy is about. It's not pretty quotes written in cursive plastered over a mountain picture. They are frameworks and ideas that have been constructed in a way that you can integrate that, embody it, and allow it to be a form of guiding structure, which is especially now, I mean, it's always been relevant, but there is a religion-sized hole in many people's soul. And so far, we're filling that with just about anything we come across, but the algorithms are in charge in many people's case. It's, it's deciding what you assign emotional value to. This external world that just keeps you in the external. Everything out there is happening to me. Or nothing. Nothing could be happening to you. What changes that is perspective. And our egos as well, they, they influence all of this because that's what the ego is. It's, again, a neutral thing that we assign emotional value to, but that's because its job is to assign emotional value to things. Your ego is like the lens that covers your eyes and what it does is it filters the external reality into something that is personally relevant because if everything in the external world was relevant all the time, you'd be stricken with stimuli. You would be, in my case, I would be very much paralyzed. Too much, too much going on already. So what the ego does is it listens to your direction of your strongest thoughts, it associates it with itself. And through those associations are the little bridges between the external and the internal world. So if you want a Jeep Cherokee, and you want one in white, what do you see driving around? You see white Jeep Cherokees everywhere you go. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. The whole point of this was neutrality. If you can approach things from a neutral position as best as you can. And it's a choice, and it's a choice you have to reestablish by following through with your actions. If you can do that, then you begin to develop a f resilience to everything on the peripheral. You see what's in front of you, you are where your feet are, and everything else, you decide whether that gets let in or not. And there's a famous quote, I'm not sure who said it, and I'm going to do this a lot, but the ship doesn't sink because of the water around it. It ships be sinks because of the water that gets let in. So, hold fast. Now, uh, we get to the uh, Q&A stage, and I don't have music or transitions for any of these things yet. I'm uh, hoping to do those along the way. I had to be okay with this being good rather than perfect because chasing perfection is 
in itself an imperfect experience. It just, universe is paradoxical and perfect isn't a destination that exists in my reality or maybe any reality. So questions today. At BH Patrick asks, my mind always puts me in a loop of negative situations which have never happened. Why and what do I do? Well, why is because you, my friend, have one of the most superb threat detection systems ever created, lodged inside your brain. And the little bit that we consider us, we usually locate it somewhere behind the forehead and between the ears. It sits right in that center. So every situation, every experience you've ever had has been threaded into your mind to act as that threat response mechanism. But the way that that brain really ramps it up is your amygdala shooting out neurochemicals that end up enhancing that situation. They make that, they catastrophize things. And this is doing it because your brain wants you to think about all the different scenarios that could occur so that you pick the path of most safety. But usually that path ends up just staying exactly where you are. Which is difficult. And so when your mind is doing this, one thing that is very difficult to do is think your way out of it. You need to intervene. Use your consciousness to change the direction of your thoughts in a way that your mind can't not admit to. And this is done by using the body. We use the body to intervene because even though you're experiencing all of these thoughts as anxieties in your head, it's very much a whole body experience. We feel and we think, and we often feel before we think. And when we get a feeling about 13 milliseconds later, we get a thought associated with that feeling. And depending on if we are receptive to that thought or not is what makes it stronger. Because if we say, no, I don't want that thought, then it comes back to adding another layer of suffering on top of it. Instead of surrendering to it and accepting it for what it is and then being able to move past it, we fight against it. And because the universe is paradoxical, whatever we fight against, we make stronger. Whatever we try and exclude, we create. Create little places in our minds where we don't go because they're painful. So if it's an anxiety that's a consistent, repetitive anxiety centered around a certain situation or event, then come to terms with that. And if it's a constant inner monologue that's warning you of the dangers, then you have to work on getting your subconscious mind to trust your conscious mind. You being the conscious mind, being able to tell your subconscious mind that it's okay. So if you're adopting an animal from a shelter and they're, they're fritzy, you know, they've seen some shit, the way that you approach them is reassuringly, comforting. Saying, I know that you're reacting this way because you've been taught to react this way. It's how you had to survive, but I'm going to show you the way that we're going to do this now. And you lead it, lead it gently. So use a body to intervene. Go for a walk. Slow down. Put on some Alan Watts. Ground yourself in the present moment as frequently as you can because in that present moment, there is no future to predict. And when that future finally does come along, it will be a future that you experience in the now with all of the tools that you're dealing with right now. You will handle it. You got this shit. You are going to be more than okay. So 
get your conscious mind to trust your subconscious mind. Next question. At Alex.Gilden asks, how to go through life gracefully and take everything as it is? <clears throat> Neutrality. Uh, that story that we just talked about, I think. Our grace gets hung up like you're running out of the house when you're late, and that's always when your shirt catches on the door. <clears throat> your grace gets hung up when you let your emotions snag on things. You know, water moving through a stream doesn't snag on the sticks on the banks. It flows through it, it throws, flows over it, flows around it, it finds the path of least resistance. And the path of least resistance will always be a path of kindness. Compassion, real compassion for yourself, for other people. It's neutrality. Compassion, neutrality. You're doing everything out of intention without any expectation. Because as soon as you are acting with intention, with expectation, it becomes ingenuine. It becomes unsustainable and manipulative in many cases, some cases. So adopting a position of neutrality, breathing in gratitude, acting with compassion and intention. That's how, that's how we live life gracefully. Also, be humble. Admit when you're wrong. I'm going to definitely have to do this on this podcast. That's the risk we play, especially when being held pub publicly accountable. Because this is me. Ain't no hiding here. All right. At Bethany.DavisC asks, Who is your favorite Stoic daddy? There's so many. So many Stoic daddies. Really, I mean, I'd be adopted by them all. We have. Those people. Marcus Aurelius is my favorite, but, you know, it's such a, such a base answer. Yeah, I'm base. Marcus Aurelius. Man, he spit fire. And he's another person. You'll find this is, as you start to identify mentors and uh, people to learn from in the digital space, whether you hear it on podcasts or authors or whatever the medium might be, the people that we really love to watch and learn from, they say the same, maybe let's say five to seven things, a million different ways. And so you don't need to know everything to talk about everything. You need to know some things so well that you can talk about them in a million different ways. It's finding your zone, finding your lane, being accountable. Sidetracked, that's what just happened there. Okay, my favorite Stoic daddy, Marcus Aurelius. The man is just spitting fire everywhere he goes. Meditations is one of the most impactful books you could possibly read. Go for it. Enjoy. All right, and we have a voice message to play as well. So we'll get to that, and we're going to wrap it up. Hi, Cam. I just want to say that I'm a big fan of yours, and I've always resonated with everything that you've said. So I'm really glad you're starting up a podcast. So... My question for you is about um, any tips you might have for um, etiquette, the proper etiquette on manifestation. And so I have a bit of a dilemma. I strongly believe in um, putting my faith in the universe and 
um, hoping that my future and every outcome is in my highest vibrational alignment. And so I tend to fear manifesting. However, a lot of people in the spiritual community seem to promote manifesting very frequently. But I'm afraid that if I don't manifest in my highest frequency, that the outcomes that I might manifest aren't what's best for me. That is a fantastic question. And this is something that I've seen lately. It's, um, and I felt this too, FOMO, a sense of FOMO, fear missing out about the life you could be living if you were manifesting a way that was different than how you're feeling. We get worried that if our vibration is creating our life, then when we're vibrating low, we are creating a negative life for ourselves. But some things about manifestation, because we do have some neuroscience going on here too. Um, manifestation isn't just about frequencies and it's, it's not about receiving things in the external world. It's about experiencing it now. Because again, reality is neutral and it's about what we put into it because it will reflect ourselves back at us. So gaining something in the external, it's a, it's a side effect. And I know that's not really your question, but it's about experiencing it in the moment, in the now. And when we can do that, we're going back to that, uh, that, that ego, right? And uh, something called a reticular activating system, a little bundle of nerves at the bottom of your brain stem, I believe it is, whose one of the responsibilities is to help filter and sort thoughts. And so similar to the ego, maybe they're related, they, uh, translate the external reality and all that it entails into an internal response, something that is personally relevant. And so when we are manifesting, we are retraining our subconscious mind, our reticular activating system, our ego to perceive things, interpret things in a different manner through different pathways. For example, you really want a white Jeep Cherokee. God, that car's sexy. That's just, that's what you want. You start seeing them everywhere. I didn't even know there were this many white cheap Cherokees on the road, you say. Same thing goes with money. It's not that we manifest money and it drops from the sky. Obviously, that's a terribly reductionist way of saying things. And I don't mean to um, upset anybody that believes manifestation in a different way. I'm coming at it from my perspective and we're not always going to agree. And I think that's a healthy thing, but... When we manifest, when we go through repetition, when we really try and get our vibration in that state, we are purposefully inducing a certain set of thoughts some parameters, instructions that we want to give our subconscious brain. And then because we are actively trying to get to that vibration, that feeling, what would it feel if I had that? You're increasing the level of neurotransmitters, neuromodulators um, going on within your body. So we're increasing things like uh, dopamine, acetylcholine, serotonin, oxytocin. And what those do is they help build stronger neural pathways. They're the little chemical messengers that go along and pave the road, so to speak. And so when we manifest and we really get into the vibe of it, what's that, what that's doing is creating a new set of parameters through which to engage with the world. 
and it's giving you, where did my thought go? You set up parameters through which to view the world, which is good because we don't get what we want, we get what we are at the end of the day. It comes back to a, a Buddhist quote, our, our life is shaped by our mind, we become what we think. So when you're manifesting money, you are now retraining your mind to see all the possibilities. You might actually take that next step towards canceling those direct debits that you have that you haven't been using. Save 40 bucks. And then when you go to the store the next day, instead of just going for the regular food that you buy, you look for what's on sale and you, you shave a few bucks off your shop. It might mean remembering that you had that gas station that was a little bit cheaper down the road, so you might as well drive there. You're saving seven bucks. And every single time you're doing that, you're reaffirming, you're reestablishing this reality, this version of self, and that becomes a version of self that gets all the things that that manifesting version of you wanted. Alan Watts. That's what I'll leave this with. A quote by Alan Watts. No valid plans for the future can be made by those who have no capacity for living now. I've realized that the past and future are real illusions, that they exist in the present, which is what there is and all there is. Good night. Feels like ages, though you say it's only days There ain't language for the things I've seen And the truth is stranger than my own worst dreams Yeah, the truth is stranger than all my dreams Oh, the darkness got a hold on darkness does say goodbye